This is Bunny Michael. When you approach your life from the consciousness of your higher self, the knowing how worthy you are, every aspect of your life begins to change. Your relationships, your career, your self-care, your body image, everything. Because this is the process of unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. True success starts with knowing how much you deserve. Following your higher self is an awakening process and it's no easy feat. But as you will hear from the callers on this podcast, our paths might look different, but our journey is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 97. This is Bunny. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that you've had a wonderful week. I hope that you've been feeling good. And if you haven't been feeling good, I hope that you've been compassionate about it to yourself and kind to yourself through it. Cause you know, we can't always feel good, right? Life is a roller coaster in that way. And the important thing is that our higher selves are grounding us in compassion through it all, right? Reminding us that we're always whole, that our emotions are temporary But what isn't temporary is our own light, our own wholeness, our worth, our amazingness as the creatures that we are, and the gift we are to the world. We're all here to share our gifts, to be a light, to help other people realize they are too. But sometimes... Things are just overwhelming, chaotic, and we just need to have a fit about it, right? We just need to get angry or we need to cry or we need to get frustrated. I mean, we all get that way. How can you not? You know, recently I was reading this New York Times report about the rising mental health issues in teens and adolescents. And they were talking about how Teens are going through puberty a lot earlier now than they were in previous generations. I think maybe like two years earlier is the average when people that can menstruate are getting their periods. And this in combination with the stimulus of social media and technology is having a really adverse effect because Puberty, actually, you know, when we think about puberty, we tend to think about sexual maturing and and stuff like that. But it has a lot to do with how your brain works. And they were saying that when you go through puberty, you really are in tuned to social hierarchies. Your brain is becoming more aware of that hierarchical thinking. And then at the same time, because you're young... You really are not equipped with how to deal with those concepts and those ideas, this concept of self-worth and where it comes from and, and needing that kind of validation. And so these young people are going on social media or going on some other apps and something happens or somebody tells them something mean and they really don't have the tools to be able to process that, um, And it's really, really hard. And I kept thinking to myself, yes, that's true about teens and adolescents. But I also think it's affecting everybody. 
I mean, everybody seems to be struggling a lot mentally, um, emotionally during this time. And the reason why I think it is so important to do this work is because I'm trying to point out the problem is the hierarchies. The problem is the social hierarchies. The problem is the way that we view ourselves and each other. And so what adolescents are picking up on are things that we've all been doing for generations and generations. And we think this is just the way it's supposed to be, that somehow it's inherent that some people are better than other people or that certain looks are better than others or that you have to have this type of intelligence in order to not be called stupid. You know, we have all of this stuff lingering around, all these different ways of creating status. And the problem is the belief in those hierarchies as truth. They're very real. That's true. They're very real. The hierarchies are real. They do exist in people's minds. But that doesn't mean that it is fact <laughs> that some people are better than others. You know, doing all this research for my book that I'm writing, it's been so eye-opening to understand the historical context of why we feel the way that we feel about ourselves and why our culture teaches those things. A lot of these ideas are so relatively new where I think the suffering truly stems from is this belief that not everybody is just inherently worthy and that we're supposed to prove our worth here on this, in this world. And when we don't see that proof, we don't see that validation, we internalize that as a personal failing, as not being good enough, as not even being worthy to be here in some cases. Every time we remind ourselves that what we're going through, our struggles, whether it's anxiety or depression, all the symptoms of being in this world, it's not about totally eliminating those symptoms. It's about understanding that even if you're having them, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's a reaction to how your brain is learning to process what you've been through. It's your nervous system reacting. And whatever tools you need to get through that is valid. And we all need different tools, but we, but we need to also keep reminding ourselves, hey, I see you and you're worthy. Your mental health struggles don't make you any less of a person or any kind of failure because it's so easy to internalize that and blame ourselves. Like there's something wrong with us. I know that feeling. So that's why we listen to the podcast like this and like so many other really great ones out there who are helping people. There's so many amazing teachers and healers. There's so many amazing communities. And we are we're reminding each other that we deserve better. And we can create a world where people are taught from the get-go <laughs> that no matter who you are, you're enough just for being you. 
And with that, let's get to the questions. The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. At the beginning of the summer, I started seeing someone out of the blue. I had known them from a distance for a while, and we shared a few mutual friends. I had somewhat recently gotten out of a 3.5-year dysfunctional relationship. We ended it officially a few months before I started seeing this new person, but had still been casually hooking up with each other in secret, which I was ashamed of, but our relationship as a whole had a messy attachment dynamic, and it wasn't surprising. I cut off contact with him completely once I started seeing this new person and am completely over that relationship. But I still feel like I was just getting to know myself again when I met this new person and wasn't looking for anything relational at the time. Being with this new person felt like it was opening up so many doors to myself that I hadn't touched on yet. For one, they are non-binary. So I started to explore my own sexual identity and concept of queerness. They are pretty outgoing while I'm more on the introverted side, but I felt more encouraged to put myself out there and spend time with people. They are sensitive and I definitely am too. It's something I have always felt shame for and have felt more encouraged to open up and see that side of me as a gift. They're an amazing dancer and love to dance any chance they get, which encourages me to get more in touch with my own body as I've always been scared to dance or be seen in front of people. Basically, they have encouraged me to want to dive deeper into myself and be proud of who I am just by being themselves. They are also an incredible artist, and I'm always in awe of the way they see things and how they can present that to the world through their dancing, drawing, fashion, music, and basically anything else in their life. They just make everything their own, and people, including me, love what they create. They have been able to make a career out of something they love and are good at. At the same time, this all makes me feel insecure. I am finishing up my degree in something I don't resonate with anymore and have no clue what I want to do afterwards. I have such an appreciation for art and creativity, but I don't necessarily have the desire to physically create things, or at least if I do, I don't know where to start. I spend more time admiring what people do rather than creating my own things. I appreciate more relaxed, intimate social settings rather than going out, which they enjoy, and I think that's great for them. We don't necessarily have the same interests. I think overall, the two of us just see and process things in different ways, and I really love the way they see things. They have made it clear how much they like me and how much they want to be with me. I would say we have the same values and we are really supportive of each other. We have such a nice time when we're together and both have made it clear that we respect each other and feel so safe around the other and want to see where things are going. Things feel really natural and unpressured. I genuinely feel this way, but whenever they express their feelings for me, it's like I get imposter syndrome. My brain tells me there's no way someone who is so loved, admired by others, who has explored themselves in ways that I haven't and lives in a state of creativity so effortlessly could see anything in me. Or rather, I feel like they offer me so much and I don't feel like I have anything to offer them in their personal growth journey. I have this underlying fear that they have on rose-colored glasses and they're just infatuated with me right now. That they are instead supposed to be with another artist who inspires them and has the same interests and tastes as them. Or that I am just a comfortable person to them. They have affectionately called me their comfort person. And that they are eventually going to get bored of me and realize that they need more from a relationship. 
I'm also someone who has a tendency to overgive emotionally in relationships, and I want them to like me for who I am rather than for or in addition to the emotional support I can provide them. In my last relationship, I felt like my ex's mother and only support system. I explored a lot about relationship anxiety in my last relationship, which was much different than this one. So I'm aware of my attachment style and my patterns. I am consciously making an effort to not lose myself in a relationship like I've done before, but I'm constantly analyzing myself to the point of overwhelm and I see how much I don't want this to get in the way of a potentially great connection. I've been struggling to find a different perspective on this, so I would love to hear your thoughts from the outside. Your words are always so grounding and I benefit so much from what you have to share. Thank you for everything you do. Hi, sweetheart. I'm sorry that you're feeling anxious about this new relationship and you're having some struggle. I know that's totally understandable and I'm sure everybody that's listening to this has been there before because when we're seeing somebody new, things aren't predictable. We don't necessarily feel safe. We don't know what they're thinking. All of this stuff comes up. All these fears come up. That's going to happen, right? It doesn't mean that anything is going wrong. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. How do we deal with it? You know, how do we manage it? How do we look at that stuff? When you said that you were over your last relationship, I believe you in one way, because I think when we talk about getting over a relationship, a lot of times what people are referring to is whether or not they want to be with that person anymore. And you clearly don't want to be with that person. You clearly realize that relationship wasn't good for you for lots of reasons. And you're very clear about that. So in that way, yes, you are over the relationship, but that doesn't mean we don't still learn from our previous relationship. And it doesn't mean that the issues that would be surfacing in our old relationship won't be playing out in other ways in our new relationship, right? So the insecurities and the fears that are coming up for you in this new one has a lot to do with, oh, I should have this accomplishment or I'm not interesting or I'm not cool enough or whatever (laughs) the stuff was, uh, comparing yourself to this new person and their personality and why are they with me and all of that stuff. And when you really look deep at that, ask yourself, where are these thoughts coming from? What is it about my experience? At what point that told me if I didn't have my career figured out, then I wouldn't be valuable. Or if I didn't have this certain type of social life, then I wouldn't be worth hanging out with. These are our learned hierarchical beliefs that we pick up along the way from society, from our past experiences, from our trauma, things that told us we needed a certain kind of outside validation in order to be good enough. And if we don't get that, then we're not lovable. Why would anybody want to be with us? We're not good enough for them. And so we look at ourselves and other people through this hierarchical lens where some people are above us, some people are below us, and we're constantly measuring ourselves and comparing ourselves according to that belief system. So this is something that we're all working with. This is why I have this podcast, because we all have this stuff. We all have this lens that we're trying to undo 
that we're trying to bring more awareness around so we're not imprisoned by it. So we realize that we are whole and we always have been. And those thoughts coming up, those fears, just because we're thinking them doesn't mean that they're real. Doesn't mean we have to believe them. Where I'm trying to make the connection is because you went from the other relationship very quickly into this one. And I think that that's fine. You know, it happens. Sometimes it works out like that. Sometimes meeting somebody you knew actually really inspires you, enables you to really cut that cord. And that's a good thing. But that doesn't mean you still don't need to continue working on yourself. That doesn't mean your inner journey, your healing, your self-worth shouldn't not be a priority. It has to be, whether you're in this new relationship or not. So when these feelings come up, this is a lot less to do with that new person than it has to do with you and how you see yourself and how nice you are to yourself and how much you're judging yourself and how you can start to shift that. You are lovable. And the reason why that person is drawn to you isn't because of your accomplishments or your status, because that's all superficial stuff. They're drawn to you because of your spirit. And it's easy for you to get caught up in all of the qualities, all of the status that your new person has, you know, all of these markers for success or coolness that you're comparing yourself to. But ultimately, that's not what draws you to them either. You're drawn to their spirit. And that's where the two of you connect. And it's really important to remember that because the more you get caught up in that hierarchical lens, you're only seeing that person for what they have or what they do. You're not actually connecting to their higher self. You're not able to go deep and realize that there's a deep connection that's rooted in something beyond what society says is higher in the status of whatever it is. You know, we have so many different ways of comparing ourselves, so many different measurements, whether it's how we look or if we're famous or not, or how many followers we have, the shape of our body, if we got as much of an education, how much money we have in the bank, whether or not we know what our career is going to be. Like we have all of these different things. It's endless. It's an endless amount of qualifiers that are put into us that supposedly make us whole. It's like we're born into this world and we're taught, uh, actually, you need to prove you're worthy of being here. And that's a lie. That's an illusion. And that's what we're trying to tear down. And the healing process and connecting with your higher self is dismantling that belief system within you and in how you see yourself and how you see other people. As much as you admire those qualities in that person, there's so much more than that. Speaking from somebody who is an artist, who seemingly has their career figured out, I'm sure that that's what it seems like from the outside, I struggle just as much as anybody else in my own self-worth, in my own career, 
So we have to stop seeing each other through that status lens so we can have real connections and understand that we're all equal and we're all worthy. When people ask me if they should or should not be in a relationship, a lot of times what I say is, can you work on yourself within this relationship? Can you prioritize your own healing within this relationship? Does this relationship support you in that? And that oftentimes really is about a decision that you make about who you're going to be in that relationship and what you're going to prioritize in that relationship. And whether you're going to make it about the other person or you're going to make it about yourself. Because it's really easy to distract ourselves from the inner work we have to do when we're so focused on our partner. We're so caught up. And maybe the gift of this relationship and maybe the reason why this person who seemingly is pretty stable, who is pretty independent, who seems to really value you for who you are, really likes to be with you and is secure in that. Maybe in this relationship, because that person is coming at you with a lot of confidence in that way, It gives you room to be less attached. It gives you room to be like, okay, that's working out all right. Now I need to work on myself too. And that's the difference. And that's why this relationship could potentially be so much healthier because you need somebody that's going to give you that space and you need to be able to take that space and focus on yourself Because you deserve love, babe. Trust it. Trust what's coming to you. When somebody tells you they value you, trust them. Take it in. Absorb it. That's what you deserve. This isn't about having a career figured out. Hun, like I get it. Careers, that kind of stuff is important. But that comes with time. And the more you connect with your higher self, the more you get in tune with your own value, the more clear that is going to become. That just is a, that just comes hand in hand. So don't worry about that right now. The focus needs to be on your inner work and understanding your self-worth. That's where the priority is. So I know you wrote in about this relationship, but it's really about you. How do you work on yourself, whether this relationship works out or not? You deserve love. You got this. The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. Thanks for creating this beautiful podcast. The past few months, I've been feeling stuck. I'm 34 and I feel too old for things. I feel too old for change. I'm out of shape. I have a low paying yet stressful job. I'm unmarried. I don't have any children. I was recently diagnosed with ADHD and I feel like I've lost a lot of time. There are things I wanna try to do, but I feel too old and uncoordinated. I don't have the patience or focus to go back to school. Though I've been in individual and group therapy for almost 20 years, I feel like I haven't healed or changed much. 
I still hate myself and I still feel unworthy and unlovable. How can I stop feeling stuck or like it's too late for me? What's my motivation when things haven't gotten better? How do I get out of this mindset? Thank you. Hello. Well, I totally understand why you might be having these feelings about being too old because we live in a very ageist society. So I get it. However, I just, it's just so hard (laughs) to hear, especially when you're a lot older than 34 and somebody's like, I'm too old to do anything. I get it. Okay. Those are your real feelings and you're not wrong for having them, but they're not actually coming from any true sense of who you really are. You're, they're coming from this ageist cultural conditioning that we have that says, by this time, by this age, you should have 2.5 kids, have your career completely worked out, have a retirement fund, you know, and all of these certain markers for so-called success. And you are saying like, why haven't things gotten better? And I say that the problem isn't that those things haven't happened. The problem is that you think those are the things that you need in order to be good enough. That you need to have a better job, that you need to be married, that there's something wrong with having ADHD, that you're too old, if only you were younger. So these are the messages that you have been conditioned to believe that you need this outside validation in order to be enough. And because of that, because of this constant craving or this constant feeling of lack, that fear of lack has paralyzed you from believing or being interested or inspired to have new experiences, to be curious about trying something new, to believe in yourself, to ask for more, to be invested in your own freedom. You say that you hate yourself, but babe, I don't believe you. You're writing into this podcast. You're writing into this podcast because you love yourself and you want some help with being able to show yourself the love that you know you have inside. If you truly hated yourself, you would not even bother with this email. The reason why I think it gets so easy for us to say, oh, I hate myself is because we get into this like cycle in our mind. Where we're like, okay, let me let me calculate all of the measures of how well I'm doing. Do I have the career I want? No. Okay, that put that in the category of a reason not to like myself. Okay, now let me go to the next thing. Um, did I gain weight this past year? Yeah, I gained weight. Okay, I'll put that in the category of a reason not to like myself. Okay, what else is there? So we go through all of these things and then we're like, well, when I calculated it all, I'm not measuring up. I hate myself. We give ourselves these tests in our minds and then we fail according to that test in our mind. And then we come to the only logical conclusion would be that I hate myself. And I wouldn't hate myself if I had all of those things. But in reality, those things don't define you. They don't give you your worth. It's true. There are aspects of our lives we want to change. 
Nothing is ever perfect. Sometimes we have a shitty job, but everything is temporary. And we have to ask ourselves, what's it going to take for me to love myself right now and to tell myself I'm good enough and that I deserve to maybe look into something else or give something else a try? What's it going to take for me to tell those thoughts that come into my head that you, I hate myself to be like, you know what? I'm not going there today. I don't believe you anymore. I promise you these markers that we are told that make us good enough are like empty promises. That's why you see people who supposedly have everything. Great success. Beautiful bodies. Famous celebrities. Everybody loves them. They have millions of fans all over the world. And they're depressed and they hate themselves. They think they hate themselves because it doesn't really come from there. It comes from inside. It comes from giving yourself permission to love yourself, to show yourself how great you are. And it's from that realization that the only validation you really need is your own. And when you realize that, you let that guide your choices. So, okay, this job is really stressful and hard. What are my options here? Because I know I deserve to not be so stressed. You said there's a lot of things you want to try, but you feel too old and uncoordinated. And when you say you feel too old, I know that's just a feeling. It's just a thought. It's just a belief. This podcast, this community, what this is really about is about changing our beliefs from the beliefs of our cultural conditioning that is ageist, fat phobic, racist, sexist, these limiting beliefs that we are brought up with that make us miserable, that tell us that we're not deserving. The process of connecting to our higher self is realizing that those aren't our beliefs. That's not our truth. We have a deeper truth within ourselves that's always been there. This wisdom, this love, the same part of you that was driven to write this email, the same part of you that takes you to therapy. Therapy is wonderful, but therapy isn't what heals you. It's how you put those realizations into action. It's how you let it reflect out into your everyday life. So what I want for you to do is Every 30 days, maybe every month, try something new. It doesn't even have to be a big thing. It could be really small. It could be like, I don't know, going to like a dance class. Well, that's kind of a big thing. <laughs> or, you know, you say there's all these things you want to try. What if you decided, okay, for six months, every month, I'm going to try something new. Just to like open my mind up to what's possible. Get out of that stuck place. Your higher self is so not done with you. You are so young, like for real. You are so young. <laughs> You're so young. You have such a bright future with endless possibility. And I also just want to say one thing about the ADHD diagnosis. You know, we come from a medical establishment of normalization. 
of separating what's normal from what's not normal. Very binary way of looking at ourselves and the world. But we're coming out of that to realize that it's not so binary. It's so much of a spectrum. We are a neurally diverse species. We have different mental makeups and not one is more normal than the other. So we're all different. So I don't want you to take this diagnosis as being, oh, look, another indicator of why I don't measure up. It's not you that doesn't measure up. It's the system with which you're thinking about yourself that isn't measuring up to you. You're so worthy. You're so lovable. And it's never too late to give yourself that love. The following question is from an email. Hi, Exo Higher Self. I'm a 25-year-old female, she, hers, living in Boston. I had a question about decision-making for the future. I want to get my PhD in public health, but I'm afraid it will get in the way of the other plans I have. I want to get married, find someone within the next few years, and get my dream job in digital media communications, and maybe have a career shift. My PhD program would require that I stay in the field of public health. How do I accomplish all of these things? Any advice? Well, sweetheart, if there's one thing I know is that you cannot control when you're going to meet somebody that you want to get married to. (laughs) As much as we all wish we could just time it out. Oh, I want it to be in the next few years or by the time I have this degree. So it's all set up. I get wanting to like, have that sorted out because it would be so much easier to just like do it exactly how we want it. But there's so many other factors that are even greater than us. The universe knows when the timing is right for us. So before any of the career stuff, I would personally encourage you to try to let go of needing that to happen within a few years. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But having this expectation can really tunnel vision you into what you think is going to make you happy or what you think you need. It's so wild. We often walk around thinking we know what we need, but we really don't, right? How many times has something happened unexpectedly, even something that we think is bad at the time, like we're down in our luck, and then we realize, God, I needed that. Now I can look back and see that was exactly what I needed in order to have this other realization or this other growth that I wasn't aware that I needed, right? Because we're not aware of something until we're aware of it. Focusing on our outer growth in terms of our goals, our careers, our relationships is wonderful, But we can't plan our outer growth without acknowledging that the inner growth is happening simultaneously. And we don't know the direction our inner growth wants to take us. And so we have to be malleable. We have to keep our hearts open for the unexpected. Okay, so having said that, getting a PhD, amazing. But you also said your dream job is in digital media and communications. So I'm wondering why you're waiting to try to do the dream job till after the PhD. Unless I'm missing something, there's some reason why you 
need the PhD in order to do the dream job. I'm just wondering what it is that you're waiting for if that is the thing that you actually truly really want. The cool thing about our life (laughs) is that we can have a lot of different careers at different parts of our life. You know, when we grow up, they're always like, well, who do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? Which is such a wild question to ask a child. And I don't know if people are still asking kids this, but my generation when I was a kid, people definitely asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? As if it's one thing, as if you should know when you're a kid. And it's like, once you choose the thing, then that's it, right? But life is long and there's a lot of different opportunities and we don't know what our path is going to lead us to. So I can't tell you, oh, should you get the PhD or do the dream job first? But what I can tell you is that no matter what you choose, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Even if it doesn't work out to be what you wanted, that's valuable information. I would focus on what sounds the most inspiring, exciting, and growthful to your spirit, to your joy, What makes your heart flutter? What kind of gives you butterflies? And go and open that door first. And even if it ends up being not the thing that you stick with, it will be an experience that you needed to go through. I'm really excited for you. And now I would like to read a listener response message. Um, Somebody sent in an email written response to a question that I answered on episode 94. And this question was about how to communicate sexual needs with your partner. And I, and when you're feeling insecure, when you're feeling like you don't understand what you need and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I just want to read you this listener response because I asked their permission if I could. Um, And I really, really, I really like it. So here it goes. Hi, Bunny. I was so surprised when I started listening to last week's podcast episode and my question was on there. It made me cry listening to you affirm my thoughts and needs. After another tense sexual experience this weekend, I decided to ask my partner to listen to the podcast with me. I was so scared that they would think I was weird or being dramatic, but they were so incredibly happy that I shared something so vulnerable with them and said that it really helped them understand how I felt. What I wasn't expecting was how seen, heard, and validated they would feel by your response also. I have felt so much closer to them since and feel a lot safer in the bedroom too. A huge amount of pressure has lifted. Everything you said in your response was 100% on. Thank you so, so much, Bunny. You are a gift. That makes me so happy to hear. Um, Thank you for sending in your response and letting me know that it went well. You know, a lot of times when we have issues with our, in our relationship, just the fact that we care so much enough to even ask the question, you know, it just, it, sh- it shows how, how much integrity you have, how much you're trying to do the right thing, how much you love that person, how much you care about that person, a lot of times we don't give ourselves enough credit about how loving we really are. So I think that's like a great example of how great of a partner you are and how much your partner appreciated 
you caring about your relationship enough to address this issue and want it to become more clear and have more understanding with each other. So I wish y'all the best. And I'm so happy, so, so happy for you both. All right, babes, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Thank you for your honesty, your vulnerability. It is such a gift to everybody that's hearing it. Don't forget to support us on Patreon at patreon.com, XO Higher Self. There you will get bonus episodes. Um, our bonus episode content is going to get really fun and cool. Actually, Kara my, Kara, my spouse, is going to be on some of the bonus episodes with me. We're going to be chatting about relationship stuff. So if you're interested in getting more in-depth with higher self things, hearing more questions from listeners, and getting all episodes ad-free, make sure you sign up on Patreon and or become an Apple subscriber. All right, loves, remember compassion. That's what we're grounded in. Love, that's what we're grounded in. Acceptance, that's what we're grounded in. Self-acceptance doesn't mean you're not able to change. (laughs) It means that you know that you're always worthy throughout your evolution, your awakening process, your healing process. I love you so much. And so does your higher self. I'll see y'all next time. Bye.